Okay, so I'm sorry, but you, you guys are going to have to bear with me here because we're doing this on the fly here. Okay. Nothing new there. There's comments? That's way too efficient. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Simon thinks this is a professional show. Simon, this is not. Okay, this so. Is one notch above Biddle. This right. is one notch above <laughs> That's not saying much. That's that's the most uh, accurate you could possibly have. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 61. I'm Rocco. I'm Ryan. I'm Zed. And I'm Michael. And this is Destination Linux. So this week, we have a special guest. Simon Quigley is here, and he is currently the Lubuntu release manager. He is master of the universe, Simon. We're going to have to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Lubuntu membership board member, Ubuntu member. I could go down the list on and on. So you help out in the community tremendously. So thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So we are here. We have you here to talk about Lubuntu Next. But -hmm. before we get into that, people have maybe been familiar with seeing you on Destination Linux before, but you were on for short segments so let's talk about where you got started in Linux because you're a young guy and you're already contributing to all kinds of places in Linux. So where I really got started with Linux is, you know, funny enough, I remember first seeing Linux as, um, and this will seem kind of ironic, on like download pages of software that I was already using. I, I was looked at that and I was like, hmm, I wonder what this Linux thing is. In, I think it was like 2015, the, the winter break of 2015, I really, um, I had a Windows 7 install on an, on an older computer and I ended up doing something to it. I'm not remembering specifically what it was where I completely, I got, I wouldn't boot from there. Um, so I'm like, okay, I should try this Linux thing. Um, and it might be a good idea just to, you know, experiment with it. So I was just, I was searching around for what Linux is and the distributions and stuff like that. Um, so I, I found, you know, the two major things I was going to go with was Fedora or, you know, just regular Ubuntu. Um, I figured out that, you know, ironically enough, I said, I can pronounce Fedora, so I'm going to go with Fedora for now. Um, <laughs> and so I ended up, I, I tried to install Fedora and the installer froze and I tried again and the installer froze. So I'm like, okay, I'll give this Ubuntu thing a try. So I tried Ubuntu and that's, I ended up just with Unity on this old computer. So while it ran horribly because it's Unity on a computer that had maybe three gigs of RAM, you know, little, little tiny one core processor, it was, you know, that's really where I, where I started experimenting with Linux and got, you know, got a feel for, you know, everything that Linux offers. And then from there, I realized that, you know, after trying Lubuntu with LXDE on my system, it ran a lot better. So I went and switched there and joined the community from there. So you're telling me that you started Linux in 2015? Correct. Yep. 
I was 12 and, years old. Wow. And, and you already have a master of the universe title. I'm, yes, I, I feel like I failed in life at this point, <laughs> you know, like at this point, I think I've been in Linux close to two years and I don't think I'm anywhere near getting a master of the universe title. So I'm going to need some tips after this to get that. Cause I need one. So tell us what exactly <laughs> is master of the universe title? So, um, if you know, Ubuntu is, is split up into four different sections. Um, it's split up into main universe restricted and multiverse. So that's the whole archive, how it's split up. Main is, is the, you know, the canonical supported software. Um, so the software that goes in there is, has a, you know, canonical employee working on it, or it's a dependency of sorts of a different, you know, a different piece of software that canonical ships either as part of the Ubuntu desktop or the Ubuntu server or something along those lines. Um, universe is the community supported packages. So you have things in there, you know, anything that comes from Debian just free flows into the universe repository. So that's basically, you know, if you think all of the LXDE, all of the LXDT, XFCE, Mate, Budgie, you name it, that they're all in there. If it's, if it's, you know, just community supported. And, and then you have two others, which are restricted, which is, you know, like Intel drivers and stuff like that. And then multiverse, which is, you know, shady-ish, you know, um, software. Master of the Universe is basically upload access to the Ubuntu archive, but only the universe and the multiverse sections. So I currently have upload access to all of the software in Ubuntu that is not directly supported by Canonical. And are any of those items in multiverse and universe ones that you've like physically changed yourself and, and submit bug codes to or...? Yeah, it, so it really depends on what you mean by that because there's difference. I've done a wide variety of things. I've done anywhere between just simple bug fixes to software. Um, I've done, you know, updates to stable releases, including like security updates to things like VLC. Otherwise, I've done a new upstream releases. Um, I've worked with upstream Debian to do stuff. You know, it's it's just the Master of the Universe is sort of a, you know wide umbrella of sorts because it's you work with any community supported package and you're collectively responsible within that team for maintaining these packages. So really you can, you, you know, if you're master of the universe, you can touch all sorts of different packages, get all sorts of different bug fixes and depending on if there's bugs on them, et cetera. Um, whereas if you have things like per package uploader um, or something like that, it's only a specific set of packages. So like I said, it really does depend on, you know, what there is to do. Some things are obviously more high priority for me. Like, for example, I do, st- um, I prioritize on more Lubuntu and Kubuntu packages and stuff like that. Um, while sometimes if somebody happens to link me to a bug report where some other package that isn't pulled in by any flavor is affected by this bug, you know, I have the ability to help fix that. I also like sponsor different things for different people. So if, if somebody prepared an upload to go into the Ubuntu archive that has like a bug fix or something like that, um, I'm, my, I'm part of the team that can review that. And if it looks good, I can upload that to the archive. That is awesome. That's a lot of responsibility to have to do that. Uh, not to outdo you or anything, but when I see an error message, I, I click the send report and I've done stuff like that. <laughs> don't, don't go overboard, Ryan. That's, uh, don't, don't go so far as to submit an actual bug. Just hit the yeah. send error oh. report. <laughs> You've probably seen a bug I submitted. So there. <clears throat> I probably have, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so otherwise, yeah, that's, it's just basically just general. Very cool. Yes. All right, so let's get into Lubuntu Next. So for Hmm. the people that don't know, what is Lubuntu Next? 
So Lubuntu, just to give us a little bit of a backstory, Lubuntu is based on LXDE. And from its origin in 2009-ish, um, it has been based solely on LXDE. Um, now, upstream in LXDE, it's based on GTK2. And there are no plans except for some different little tiny packages like like LX Terminal switch to GTK3. The, the They do not plan to switch from GTK2 to GTK3. So it's just a primarily GTK-based um, desktop environment that we've shipped with for years. So the LXQT project came along when people from the Racer QT project um, and the people from just that regular LXD project came together and you know wanted to make a cute version of LXD that used modern you know modern I don't know how you'd say it modern um, frameworks to develop it rather than GTK two. So while um, while LXDE still gets some maintenance from time to time, some so some little bug fix updates. Primarily, the focus is on LXQT upstream. So, upstream, you know, provides LXQT. Now, the goal has been since I think we've even said it since fifteen oh four that we are going to switch to using LXQT by default because it's you know it's where the development is. Plus, it's based, based on Qt, which, in my opinion, and in the opinion of others is a really, really good framework to base your stuff on. And, you know, cause it's, it's pretty stable. Um, you know, it's easy to work with that sort of thing. And the, I guess the difference between the two is that LXQT is a little bit of a newer project. It doesn't have as much, I wouldn't even say it, it doesn't have as much refinement. It's just a newer project that there might be some little things that aren't quite worked out yet. Um, or LXDE is the tried and true, you know, GTK2 desktop environment. So Didn't a lot of developers from the LXDE switch over to LXQT, like um, yep. PC Man? Didn't he switch yep. over? Yep, there's, well, with, with that, there's there's things like PC Man, um, File Manager, like there's a cute version of that. And yeah, so there's a lot of different developers switched over, but there's still like, I don't even know if it's one or two different developers that still work on LXDE very minimally, I would say, doing bug fixes. Like there's, you know, different people that just, I think one of the Debian maintainers for LXDE also does some upstream work there still. But it's, like I said, it's, it's mainly just, you know, except for what I've seen LX Terminal do, you know, that's been ported to GTK3, but mostly it's just keeping bug fixes, you know, keeping it bug free. Yeah. So it sounds like a maintenance mode type thing. Correct. Yeah. And that's to be to be honest with you, it's it's sort of what mode Lubuntu has been in for the past couple of years because we've been based on LXDE and we've seen little to no bugs with LXDE itself, with you know, um, with the exceptions being some some different CVs and stuff like that that have been discovered. Um, but mainly, we've just been in maintenance mode while we're preparing to switch to LXDT, and it almost feels like a you know something we've said over and over and over again that we're, we just never have done. But the goal is to eventually completely switched to LXQT once LXQT has gotten to the point where not only do our default settings work with it, um, which we're having some issues with that, um, but it's also, it also has a good suite of applications and stuff like that. It, you know, so it's a good coherent desktop that works for the end user. So mm-hmm. that's the, that's the eventual goal. I think, I think by the time 2004 comes out, we'll, we'll be switched to that by default. Right. All right. Cool. So Simon, um, you sort of explained why you've um, moved to LXQT. Um, but LXDE has been so well received as being this reliable, lightweight, rock solid 
distribution. Are you worried that you might lose some user base when you go to LXQT or or because you're not going to go until 2004-ish, are you going to make sure that LXQT is as rock solid? Um, so that's sort of, I think it's sort of a mixed bag because, you know, there's, there's obviously still going to be some people that, you know, I, I was just talking to a guy in our, on IRC the other day. He has a, a really small machine or like a laptop with 256 megabytes of RAM, something like that. And he says that LXQT is extremely bloated. You know, there's still going to be the people that have the, the machines that are extremely, extremely low powered. But I think you, with these, with these machines, you really can't use things like Firefox or, you mm-hmm. know, any big browser on there. So I think we're reaching the point where, um, you know, once we move to LXQT, the focus may not necessarily, well, it still is a very, very lightweight in, um, environment. It's not, it's not as like, for lack of a better word, it's just not as lightweight. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I, I do think that we are going to lose some people. It might just be a handful of people. It might be a lot of people. Um, but I definitely think that GTK2 is, is since it's a maintenance blown upstream, it's eventually going to, to bit rot. And mm-hmm. it's, we're eventually going to get to the point where GTK2 software is going to be, you know, not working anymore. So I would much rather than, you know, rather than stick with it, with an, um, a toolkit that is going to be deprecated and rather than stick with that, moving to Qt is a uh, you know, much better option than mm-hmm. doing that. So we're, you, while some users obviously are going to be, you know, saddened or something along those lines by the, a transition, um, it's ultimately going to be the best thing for, for maintenance and, you know, just to keep up on loss. It's, you know. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that Qt, the modularity of Qt and the flexibility of it provides so much potential that LXQt is, is going to be a, wow. like a much better transition. Like it's going to be a better fundamentally the DE for the distro, but mm-hmm. that brings up to, is the quick, the question is now is that, or is there going to be an option where you have both LXQ and LXD at the same time? And if so, um, when you say 20, 2004, are you, are you saying that that's the first, you think that might be the first version that LXQ would be like launched or that's like the first LTS. So, We've originally, well, I just a little bit, you know, of history. I became release manager on, on, you know, in February of last year. So my my major goal as release manager, one of my major goals is to progress, you know, the move to LXQT and make it go a little bit quicker than it has been going. Because from from that point, it, we we've been saying we we wanted to switch for two years then. So the the goal originally when I became release manager was to release it alongside alongside. Um, if I can talk 1710. Um, and this time it was the goal to release something alongside 1804. But in discussions with not only like the release team and the technical board alongside of, you know, having some issues with the default settings still, we've been, you know, I think the decision from here is going to be to continue having it being a, like a daily sort of image where it just, it's spun up as a daily image, but isn't quite released yet. And you know, once we get to that point um, where it is stable and usable, depending on how things look from there, you know, yeah. it, it depends on if GTK2 is completely deprecated at that point or if the software doesn't work anymore or, you know, if, if it's in a bad state, then obviously we'll, we will, you know, accelerate the progression of moving from GTK2 to, to, to you know, well, LXQD to LXQT, but... Um, 
the, the plan is to ship it as a separate edition until it is stable enough until we get some statistics to say that this is, you know, the right choice to make. And then from there, um, like I said, it's likely before 2004, um, we are going to make, just make the move. Um, that means the, the LXD packages will no longer be maintained by the Lubuntu team and we will focus on LXQT. Now I say 2004 because the, there's a good two year gap between 1804 and 2004. Mm-hmm. I personally think using LXD or LXQT, excuse me, um, that it's a, a stable enough desktop environment that you can use by default. Now we're, we're just tweaking things and doing stuff like that, but obviously we're going to need like an upgrade path, of course. Yeah. So conversion, maybe like conversion of settings, that sort of thing. And, um, we, we just need to get all that figured out before we can ship it as an LTS. So that's one thing that I'm really keeping in mind before we switch to LXQT is how is it going to work for the LTS? Cause regular releases, people don't use those as much as the LTS. So let me ask a follow-up question to something you said earlier about, you know, talking to an individual at 256 megabytes of Ram. I mean, there comes a point probably where you guys, I think the, the niche is you guys are a lightweight distro, right? I mean, that's the big push. I'm sure it's not the only push, but that's one of the big pushes. Your lightweight distro. Is there parameters within there that you say this is still considered a light? I mean, XFCE says it's a lightweight distro. Sparky Linux says, you know, it's a lightweight distro or desktop environments, you know, in between. I mean, what's, is there a standard that you guys set to say, we can't go over this much for the ISO. We can't go over using this much memory. I mean, is that really the the niche there that you're trying to focus on, or are you guys trying to go a different direction? Um, well, I think in the in I think around when sixteen oh four was released, um, we did have you know a focus on keeping not only the the ISO to make it to fit on a CD, um, but the focus was also to just make sure that things were extremely extremely lightweight. I think recently that sort of you know fallen by the wayside because. Like I said, applications are evolving and stuff like that. So um, we don't. So, so to answer the first part of your question, we don't have any, not anymore at least, any set, um, set t- t- statistics. Excuse me, that we don't go over these, or we're no longer lightweight distro, or we don't go over these, or we don't ship that sort of thing. Um, but I definitely think that you know, as time goes on, the the need for lightweight distro, it, it's sort of like a, like a distro that can run on really, really, really old hardware. You have distributions nowadays that can run on hardware that is 10 years old. So 10 years old at this point, it's not the 256 megabytes of RAM machines because that's, that's our sort of what we've always said. We said, if it's the rule of thumb is that it shouldn't be older than 10 years old. Um, so I guess to sort of answer your question, it's not something that, we're probably going to keep with for, you know, Pat, you know, once we switch to LXQT, but for the time being, LXDE has that. Um, and even, even like I said before, like LXQT still is a lightweight desktop environment. Um, it still is light and modular and I don't know if compact's the right word, but um, it's still something that we could say that is lightweight, but our focus no longer will be in the future um, focusing yeah. on old computers. So going for light instead of ultralight. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So you have heard some feedback already, but is there a general sense of feedback from the community on um, the direction of this? I've, I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people that'll say that say, you know, like that one person I talked to in IRC the other day, he said, 
do not switch to LQT because it's super bloated. Obviously, that machine might not survive, you know, much longer. Um, if it does, you know, he can continue using LX, um, LXDE, I guess. But um, I think that a lot of people are saying you should switch, you should move. Um, some people are saying that have the ultra, you know, ultra light machines, It's as you said before, um, Michael, then I think that they're not for it. So, yeah, the, 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 the edge cases. Right. I guess, well... I wouldn't even consider it an edge case for Lubuntu right now because while it's becoming more of an edge case, the focus is still to provide software for these really, really old machines. Mm-hmm. Um, but as these machines become obsolete to the point where the the oldest machines you can have are, you know, based on, or they have two gigs of RAM maybe, then, you know, it's, it's to the point where while you need a light desktop environment that's just snap and or snappy and quick and stuff like that um that's not really it's it's not really sustainable i don't think and about Um, the time 2004 comes out you're going to look at machines that are 250 meg 256 megabytes or smaller or even around that area are minimum 20 years old right 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 exactly that's i mean when you look at a lightweight distro one of the, one of the things that frustrated me when I first got into Linux was the fact that everybody kept saying, "Hey, it's really good for old hardware." And so one of the first things I did is, "Well, what if you put it on the latest?" And it was awesome. And so I wonder with the lightweight distro, a lot of times people talk about. I see I see this a lot with lightweight distros. Like, well, if it's a lightweight distro, put it on an old computer. But that's not just what you guys are going after in a lightweight distro. I mean, it could be just as advantageous to put it on a powerful computer and have more resources for other things that you're doing, right? I mean, is that something you're targeting as well versus kind of looking back at 10 years ago computers? Right. Um, I, I do, I do certainly think that while we do have, you know, while we can focus on, well, we can and have focused on older computers that, you know, that just are 10, 15 years old, then I think that, there's also the other side of that is that you can run it on modern hardware and it's still lightweight and, and snappy and, and you can, you know, use it and it just gets out of your way. Um, so I think, I think you're, you're sort of correct in that it's while we still have that, you know, older hardware target, we, we also have a target of just generally make it, making it usable and lightweight. Um, I think that's going to come with the switch to LXQT. It's going to be more of, more of making it a lightweight desktop for the average system rather than making it a lightweight desktop for the, the older computer, the really, really old computers. Cause as Michael said in 2020, 10 years ago, computers, they're, they're 2010 computers and computers made in 2010, they have gig or two of Ram at least, I think, and, you know, more better processors and stuff like that. But I think that that is going to be the focus going forward. And we're certainly moving towards that. um, If anything. So it's really fun to run a lightweight distro on powerful computers because things are just so snappy. That's why I was wondering if you guys were looking at that as well. And just one critique that I have is for me, when a lot of lightweight distros, they remove things that I consider one thing specifically that I consider to be just a core desktop environment thing. Like mm-hmm. removing it is to me the same as why even have a wallpaper or ability to switch a wallpaper. Like this is core functionality and that is menu searching for applications. Like when you mm-hmm. open a menu, there should be a search there. You should be able to find your applications. Mm-hmm. A lot of these 
um, desktop environments that are light don't have that. Is there any chance, besides adding third-party applications, that there's going to be a default in the newest Lubuntu with uh, menu searchability? So, as I said before, for, with LXQT, we're in maintenance mode. So, you shouldn't really expect anything new in the LTS of Lubuntu, expect, except for just generally bug fixes, if there's any bugs to fix. Um, but with Lubuntu Next, I certainly think that's something that's to consider. You know, just having... I've, I've been playing with a, a, a wide variety of different features we can implement in LXQT. Just, you know, I've written a little prototype code for, for this and that. But I definitely think that... So you're, you're saying the default um, applications should automatically be searchable. Well, in the menu, when you click on a menu, yeah. there should be right. a search option there. And what happens is there's two things. I think in LXDE, in some instances, you could search. But when you went back to, you clicked your menu button, the search was still there and it didn't go back default to show your applications. And then in other ones, I've opened up the menu and there's no search functionality there at all. And to me, having a search for applications, that's just like desktop environment 101. I mean, and I could be wrong. I know a lot of people don't agree, may not agree with me, but to me, that's a core function of a desktop to be able to search for something like I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Actually, that's that's. I remember when I first switched from LXDE to LXQT, um, and I tried to switch back to LXDE. That's the one thing that I could not. That, that just kept me on using like LX, um, LXQT panel is that once you get used to using the search functionality, there's no going back to you know just going and finding things in the menu. So I I agree with you on that. Um, that's I think something that's LXDE was created during a time where that wasn't normal. Right, right, right. Mm. And that's sort of what it is. Was and there a time when that wasn't normal? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like yes, there was wasn't a time before I was born. Are we talking like 78, <laughs> like 60s? I'm going to say like, uh, I don't know exactly when it was made, but it's roughly about 2003-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, sort of. Some along those lines. Um, You'd yeah. be a hero of mine uh, if if that ends up there because I love running lightweight distros on my computer. But that that to me is one of those things that personally, if it's not there, and yes, I can add third parties, but it's like I don't know. I view it as like a slap in the face. Like you're too lazy to put a search menu in there. I'm not using your distro. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> okay, so but the thing about LXQT is it does have search functionality, but. I remember seeing an upstream bug report where somebody was like, when you, when you click away from that menu, it should automatically just clear it. Upstream close that is won't fix. So upstream close that is won't fix. If that's something that I think that is beneficial, not I have upload access to these pack, um, packages and I can, I can patch this in. Um, hmm. That's definitely something that I think is worth looking into. You know, if it's, awesome. if, and that's something that has annoyed me a little bit as well. Like I've, I've sort of gotten used to it. Um, to, to be honest with you, you just click the thing and you can just click the little X button and it's gone. But I do, I definitely think that it should be an option that either should be on by default or somebody should be able to just turn it on and just automatically just clears those results. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, there's, so, there's a, there's a compromise to do both technically. If you have a, like, you know, you know, there's, there's some applications that allow you to show like grayed out text. And if you don't, type anything there it just uses uses that text you could hit oh, an arrow right. and that text is now reactivated and if you just start typing normally it would be like a new search all right so michael simon after the podcast you guys get together fix this <laughs> love yep. it do it we're bringing people together rocco yeah that's what we're all about community mm-hmm. exactly so just one final question before we move off the lightweightness of the things 
keeping LXDE so light and being aware that you want to try and keep LXQT light, does that in any way stop you from innovating by sort of saying, oh, I'd love to put this feature in, but it's going to make it too heavy? With LXDE, I, I certainly think that's the goal, but with LXQT, I don't think that's something that, that I'm, I'm personally necessarily focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's going to be a time in implementing stuff for LXQT unless it does something insane with the code where it just makes it like a monster to implement. I don't think there's a time that, you know, we should say, oh, well, this feature would be nice, but it, we, we just want to keep it lightweight. No, I think that's, I, I personally don't like that. I think that's Good. something that if there's a feature, we should keep it functioning, you know, quick and snappy, but it should, we shouldn't, you know, inhibit good features by that. So I think it also means, you know, in a way you could also say that uh, focusing on light first gives them like a, not, not necessarily a constraint, but just mm-hmm. uh, if, if you have like a narrow window of some of like some kind of idea, just lightness in general, and then you mm-hmm. have like the stuff you want to work on is more, you can be more creative when you have like some guidelines Mm-hmm. So, so if there's like, even if they, even if they do go with like the lighter stuff, uh, like and he said, it's like, even if it's not like a massive monster, they will still, they'll still do it. But it, it, it pro- provides like a guideline, you know, keep this, you know, keep it lightweight as possible, which also you can make it more creative by that. So like, if, for example, if you're like a kid and they say, you know, write an essay for class and like, what, what topic, anything you want. And then they don't do it. Right. All right. So Simon, in our Telegram group, we have a bunch of distro hoppers. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to want to get their hands on it. So where can we find out more information about Lubuntu Next? Um, Mainly, I think just the, the website might have some good information on it um, at lubuntu.me. And um, I, I think that, well, right now the, the daily builds are, are broken because there are some issues with some default settings that aren't being applied correctly. And it asks, um, it asks you to select your default window manager on boot. We are, we are trying to fix that, but I definitely think that if you want to give this a try, um, you know, stay in contact with me. If you're, if you're really determined about getting it working, then I'll, I'll obviously help you, but um, either Lubuntu.me or you can just grab the, grab the dailies directly from cdimage.ubuntu.com. So if we go to Lubuntu.me and we look at the page, it says 17.10. That will be based on LXDE, correct? Yep. Yes. And then the That's new the one the- I downloaded, Rocco, thinking I was on 18. <laughs> you could go ahead and bring it up. I knew you wanted to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> For those who want to try out the Lubuntu Next, you have to get the 18.04 images. And yes. as Simon says, right now there is a problem with uh, the images. So I don't know. How can we get a hold of you? Like you said, get a hold of you. You want a, people to get a hold of you through Telegram or how how do you want people to get a hold of you, Simon? I'm on many different things. So there's Telegram, IRC. It, you can just, just pick one. And if I'm, if I'm on it, then I'm fine getting a message over it. Awesome. So we will, we will direct all the hate mail to you. And <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so anybody wants to check it out, lubuntu.me, you can uh, go distro hop as free as you like. All right, Simon, do you want to stick around with us while we cover the news? Sure. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. So what do we have in the news? Um, Well, I wanted to talk about um, a couple of new distros that have uh, 
have been brought out just recently. And one of them that's claiming to be the first distribution based on Ubuntu 18.04 LTS. Now, what I found particularly interesting about this is how can it be based on 18.04 LTS when it's not even out yet? <laughs> um, so surely it should be saying it's based on Ubuntu, Ubuntu 18.04 Alpha 1 Beta 2 Release Candidate 1. Um, but yeah, you go in there and it has a nice look and feel about it. Um, but it's actually called Exton OS. And when I went in to investigate this, I thought, hang on a minute, I know this guy's work. I've seen him before. And in fact, he's got an exact same channel, but he calls it Xtix. Yes. Um, and he's a developer from Sweden, and he's ridiculously prolific. I mean, I've looked at his download site, and in 18 months, he has produced 18 different distros based upon various Debians and Ubuntu and all the rest of it, every single mix of desktop environment you can think of. And they all look wonderful, but I couldn't ever get one of them to work properly. So it begs the question, why are you, you know, you've got this claim, you're the first 1804, but does it work? So I installed it. And no, it doesn't. It breaks on the, the grub. So <laughs> that, this is not good news. It, yeah. You then get it up and running and you, you go back to your old OS, you update grub and you reboot and you pick that and you get a terminal window. And you have to work your way through the gobbledygook to realize, well, actually, just press Control D and it will start. And when it starts, I must admit, every one I've tried are really, really well put together. They're beautiful, they're quick, they're slick, but they're just too hard work to get to get working. And I don't know whether he's worked for Mint in the past, but he does something really weird with PPAs where you can't add them because they don't work. So what's the point of having a Ubuntu-based distro if I can't put OBS Studio on there and get, get the stuff that I want? I want working. So I wondered if, if any of you guys had had and worked with Xton or Xtix. Well, I had never heard of this before, Xton. And, but I, I mean, obviously, most people have heard of Xtix. I didn't realize they were the same. So like you, I went to the website and found they were same, the same. And you're right. I mean, they have, he has so many, uh, I guess it's, Artie Exton is the guy's name, mm -hmm. and that's what the, the name of the OS is based off of. But he has so many different types of desktop environments and bases and everything from Slack on down to Android, Raspberry Pi. I mean, like everything. I mean, there's just everything there. I don't know how one guy is able to do all that. They look like they're going to be great, but you said, Zeb, you couldn't get it to install. I didn't have time before the show to actually try it out, but I don't know. Maybe it's due to, you know, him testing things on his hardware and you know, mm -hmm. everybody's hardware is different. Everything reacts differently on your hardware compared to somebody else's. So maybe that's the issues with the, with the way well, it mean, is getting installed. He has a quote here. We tell people we use Linux because it's secure, because it's free or customizable. But deep underneath, the real reason we use Linux is because it's fun. So maybe he just has fun creating distros. <laughs> maybe that's what he thinks is fun. So, I mean, more power to him. But, yeah, you got to be able to use it. I mean, it's it's difficult for, you know, 18 people to make one distro. One yeah. person making 18, a little bit more. 
Well, maybe there's more to the story here. I mean, clearly he's talented enough to be able to put this stuff together, but I love, I would love to see folks like this collaborate more with distros that are already out there potentially, because you have to have talent to do what this person's doing on some level. And that could be used towards other things potentially, or maybe if he sticks with one, you know, or uh, a couple, maybe he could, uh, you know, create something really unique, but it seems like maybe I don't know how big the development team really is behind it, but it seems like maybe uh, a lot of split priorities potentially. Well, it certainly brings that distro hopping to a whole new level. He's distro developing, or you know, he's dev hopping. hopping. He's a dev hopper. <laughs> we call it a new term. <laughs> we have to come up with something because that was just too awkward to try and distro hopping just ripples off the tongue, but. Dev hopping. No, we'll no have to, just, just dev hops. That's it. Dev hops. Mm-hmm. Dev hops. Yeah. yeah. Which is well, a shame because, as I say, once you, when you get the actual application up, it's as it's as beautiful as Deepin and as beautiful as Elementary. Well, everything just clicks and matches. So, it's funny you say that, Zeb, because I downloaded the Deepin version. <laughs> I didn't get to try it out, but go. I did. <laughs> So, you know, if you're a part of the Distro Hoppers Anonymous Club, then this next distro we're going to talk about, may uh, you may want to perk your ears up here. It's called Seduction, and they have 2018.2.0 released. And Seduction is a distro brought to us from some developers in Germany, and it's got a lot of great ratings so far. It's got 16 ratings on DistroWatch, all at 9.0. So that's a pretty high rating. I mean, they need some more reviews, but 16, 9.0, that's, that's saying something there. Um, this is another one, we, you know, and it comes with a plethora of desktop environments here. KDE, LXQT, GNOME, Cinnamon, Mate, XFC, LXD, XORG, and NOX. And so this is kind of feeds into what we were talking about with the last distro that sometimes when I see these distros that have so many flavors of them, unless there's something as big as Ubuntu and have massive communities behind each one, it seems like you tend to lose some work here and there on some of these distros, meaning they're not putting enough attention into the different desktop environments to make sure all of them are functioning properly. Has anybody tried this one? I've tried Seduction in the past. Um, when they first created, there was a, another, they were a fork of another distro. I tried that one first and it had some uh, pretty glaring problems. But when I, when Seduction came around, it was, it, it essentially just created a nice polish for something that really has no business being polished. And that's Debian unstable. So the term itself, it's unstable, yet it's polished. It's, it's confusing, but interesting. <laughs> well, they even mentioned themselves kind of uh, extending on that, that the developer states the GNOME, Mate, and LXDE flavors are unmaintained at the moment and may get dropped if there's no additional support. So if you're somebody who develops or wants to help support them, they're there. But it looks like maybe having all these desktop environments uh, is creating kind of that issue here. Hey, maybe we could get uh, x and Seduction together. That's and, right. You know, build we're, bringing, we're bringing, bringing people together here, Ryan. You know what I mean? I exactly. love it. I love it. So we do. <laughs> well, I, I actually did install this, uh, Rocco, and played with it in a virtual machine. Um, and I want to tell you, Simon, this is how much I respect you. I chose the LXQT version in your honor. 
Actually, funny enough, the the developer for Seduction, the the LXQT version, is the same developer for Debian um, for that LX, uh, the LXQT Debian spin. So that's you know, there's sort of a connection there because we pull those packages from Debian um, unless we make modifications to them ourselves. So you're sort of running half of the packages you would sort of get on Ubuntu Next. Nice. Uh, it looked beautiful. They did a fantastic job, I thought, with the panel bars and making it look approachable. They had a nice manual on the desktop that you could get into and kind of uh, link through a wide range of setup and configurations. But it smacked me in the face. It literally just it got up and just <clears throat> right across my head when I clicked on the menu and there's no, no search. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, they did have a search, but it left the search term in there when you went back. So it only it half smacked me. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was like a backhand. <laughs> so uh, speaking of uh, interesting distros, I'm not sure if it's, I'm pretty sure it's chaos, but it might not be. It might be KOS, but I want it to be chaos. So chaos is uh, 2018.3 was released recently. And Chaos is a rolling distro that has uh, a, an interesting reputation because people think it's a it's an Arch-based distro, but it's not. They have, like, they're, it's like a... It's, they they say it's built from scratch, but that's kind of not true because it's, it's not like Linux from scratch. And, and they also use tools from various different distros. So it's it's like a combination of different tools from various distros. Like, there's a lot of... OpenSUSE tools and their the confusion for chaos is the fact that it has uh, Pac-Man as the package manager, so people just assume automatically that it's Arch. But by people, he means me. By the way, I I did not <laughs> specify anyone at all. I it was Arch. Um, yeah, a lot of people do think it is, and the the reason why I know it's not is because I dug on their website and there's a page specifically that says. We're independent, not based on Arch. <laughs> right. That, that's a good clue. Yeah, that's a good clue. <laughs> well, I think they can get away with the uh, built from scratch concept because they are well, they taking everything. They're taking pieces from everywhere, yeah. so there's nothing like it out there. It's not like they're yeah, taking and copying something. So yeah, they're, they're not forking anything or t- like they are, and they are technically building everything from scratch. So it's it's. Because they're doing like a, you know, compiling everything themselves in their own repo. So I guess that's, you know, that's fair. But um, one of the things that they, their recent releases was that they have now added uh, Falcon as their default browser instead of Cupzilla. I'm so glad they're Falcon now. I can't believe they use Squeaky Weasel. (laughs) They don't use Squeaky Weasel, right? Yeah. So have 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 you guys ever tried Chaos? I've tried it, but I found it to be just incredibly limiting in the type of software that you could install um, because it's their own repos you're if they haven't thought that you need this particular application it's then very difficult to get that application to install and work with it um, and I think they literally say if it's not QT you're not getting in um, and I don't know if other people have had that same sort of experience again looks pretty runs really well but it's just too limiting. Well, I think if you're a KDE user, uh, I think that you will enjoy this distro because that's basically all you can get from it. 
And you're right. It is limiting and you have to be aware of that going in. But I don't think it's much different than a, a solar situation right now where <laughs> even though, you know, it is limited in software in certain situations, you know that going in. So if you are a KDE user and you want to use all KDE apps or QT apps, Q, QT, if you Q. want to use all those kind of apps, then it's perfect for you because I think it's a beautiful distribution. And uh, it looks like they take really good care in trying to make it be the ultimate in QT. Cute. Yeah, and an ultimate plasma solution as well. As far as like you know, if you want to experience plasma like as much polish as possible, they put a lot of effort into it. And their website has a point where someone's like they said we have, we haven't decided on certain things. Like in their about section is essentially they were like we're not you know certain things we haven't really decided. Maybe we'll we'll use this. We'll continue with something else, but we will always be KDE plasma. Like, yep, perfect. Let me tell you something amazing about this, Rocco. What's amazing, Ryan? When you go into this, there's no artifacting on the icons, no text that has black boxes sitting over it. It literally, they've, they, none of those issues that you, you see. I don't some understand TV. that because, uh, this integrates 5.12.2. And yeah. yet I'm on KDE Neon and I am on 5.12.2 and I yep. have the artifacts. Exactly. And I didn't see this in any of the, at any point when I was running it, none of it, not when it, not when I was installing it, not after it was installed, not while using it. Whereas in KDE Neon, you'll see that generally pretty quickly within, you know, utilizing it. And it's a minor annoyance, but it's interesting that somehow they're not experiencing it. Um, so I think that's a, some type of feather in their hat. Yep. And they've got, Go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, a question for Rocco then. If it's that good and they've got rid of some of all these artifacts, what is it about it that would stop you from using it as your daily driver? Because of the limitation of the software. Ah. And that would be the only reason, because I did a video on it a long time ago, and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful distribution. It really it is. is. Yeah. It's just that I don't want to be limited to, say, Falcon Browser. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want to be able to choose what I want to be able to choose. So Okay, you can well, conquer. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is they, they have, they're hovering around 1,500 packages, and they're basically going through these packages on their own and, you know, building them for their platform. You can install AUR, apparently, with it, but you said it's not based on Arch, so that confuses me a little bit. Because there are some articles on YouTube and things that I was looking at showing how you can install AUR, but basically they say that you could break things if you enable the AUR because they don't support anything 32-bit. Um, so I don't know all the details behind it. I didn't get that far in it, but uh, there there were at least some obstacles there. But I, I thought it was interesting because of the fact that you could potentially go in there and find some other things that you can install, but it may be broken. But 1,500 packages seems like a lot, but I noticed that none of the third-party stuff was available. And that, to me, would have been the deal breaker why I wouldn't run it right now because I think it's certainly beautiful enough. For instance, like um, you know your Telegrams and Zooms and things like that that are third-party, they're obviously not in their package um, packages there for you to install. Yeah, in theory, though, the, the AUR, like, because the Arch, uh, the, the Arch package are no longer using 32 bit, 
So like it's possible that the AURs is not going to be needing much of the 32. So that might be like a problem that's no longer as big of a problem unless you want to use steam and then that's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a big killer. No more rocket league Rocco. Could you imagine a world that's, without that rocket? league? Uh, that's when I go to another distro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So one of my favorite distributions in the world, Zubuntu 18.04 is in testing. The 18.04 version is in testing. It's one of my favorite flavors. The daily builds are out there. And uh, even if getting into a testing mode is not your thing, you can go out there and join their wallpaper submission contest out there, Rocco. So you know how you love theming. You can make them the perfect wallpaper and submit it. Well, well, here's the thing. I am not an artist, okay? So I don't have, like, artistic talent to create something out of nothing. The only thing that I can do is say, that doesn't look right. (laughs) It should be over here. You're a critic, but not a developer. Yeah, I can't create nothing out of nothing. It's just the way it is. I know what's good, but not how to make it good. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) how I am. (laughs) So I don't think I'll be of any use for a wallpaper contest. Well, look. With this type of attitude, you're never going to have a Master of the Universe title. No, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. But I do have Zubuntu 18.04 on a USB drive for some testing this weekend. Very nice. And what are you going to – I know what you're going to try to test specifically, whether it works with dual monitors. Yes, that's exactly one of the things I'm going to test. Yes. I am also going to try the minimal install. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool, man. So there you go. Well, listen, there's a lot of 18.04s here, but it would be pretty silly for me to be covering them when we have Simon here. Take it away, Simon. Away. So there's also um, there's also Kubuntu 18.04. Um, Kubuntu 18.04 comes with the, the Plasma 5.12.2 release with KDE Frameworks 4. Dots, or 5.43. Um, and, you know, it also comes with Qt 5.9.4, which is the latest LTS of the Qt release, or, or latest Qt LTS. And that's going to be the, the Qt release we're going to ship with um, with Ubuntu 18.04, so that it provides a rock-solid um, Qt LTS on top of, you know, in, in Kubuntu's case, on top of... On, well, with a, with an LTS plasma, with, um, with frameworks, you know, that sort of thing. And... So Kubuntu 18.04, it's it's just it's going to be the LTS Plasma with the LTS Qt with the um, LTS Ubuntu, and then you have all the all the Plasma um, applications goodies and uh, the frameworks there. Ubuntu Budgie also got in a really, uh, release um, nice. for this this beta one. They also did stuff like um, the, like shipping snaps by default, and they they're gonna they ship with their Ubuntu Budgie Welcome application snap by defaults. Um, and they have just general improvements um, that are available in their release notes as well. Um, of course, there's other flavors like Ubuntu um, Chillin and Ubuntu Mate that also have some improvements there. Um, Ubuntu actually didn't have a, a beta one release here um, because we had some we had some issues with the installer that were happening and some somehow they were only reproducible on Ubuntu, so we did not release a beta one, but. Um, so total, you know, in total, Zubuntu, Kubuntu, Ubuntu Mate, Ubuntu Chillin, and Ubuntu Budgie, um, did have a, a beta one release. So we didn't have the, we didn't have the previous two alphas. So usually in an Ubuntu cycle, we have the two alphas, um, the two betas, and then the final release. 
we didn't have the first two alphas due to complications regarding the the um, um the, what was it the spectrum meltdown spectrum stuff. meltdown yeah yeah um which meant all the builders were disabled and then we had then they had to patch stuff from there which meant you know some downtime um so overall we didn't have the first two alphas so this is the first you know opportunity you have to you know to see a release of these flavors um final beta is going to come in a couple weeks then um and then leading up to there is going to be the final 1804 release so i think i got the name of the show this week oh what's that the distro hopper's dream because <laughs> it's <laughs> testing season man testing season right the distro hopper's dream with simon quigley yep. yeah <laughs> But uh, speaking of the the eighteen oh four things, if you if you're interested, the Kubuntu eighteen oh four has a lot of tweaks that I made. Okay, technically I didn't make any of them. I suggested <laughs> them, and they made them. You're so just trying to get that title. I yeah. partially helped. I'm going to become a master of the suggested universe someday. Suggested universe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Talking about distro hopping, um, one of my favourites that I like to hop out has also got a release candidate out, um, and that's MX-17. Yes. And it's it's up there for testing. It's still available in both 32-bit and 64-bit, and the 64-bit version is patched for Meltdown and Spectre. But I think most of the distros out there have, have now been able to cover themselves for, for Meltdown and Spectre along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be using the 415.0-1 kernel. Um, and there's lots of updated packages and new and updated MX apps, uh, which is, for me, one of the things that makes it you know a, a unique distro where they have all of these tools to help those less technical people. You just literally go into this wonderful panel and there's all sorts of stuff that you can play yes. with and not really do... Um, a lot of damage. It just teaches you an easy way to get into this stuff. So it's out there. It's ready to be tested. So go go and hop to your heart's content. So I know you're going to be testing Zubuntu, Rocco, but are you going to give MX a bit of love as well? Oh, you know it. Now, this is all pending on time now, obviously, but MX is definitely one to test out. And you yes. said about the auto-update option. That is going to enable unattended upgrades, which I think is a great feature. Uh, you have the Thunar custom actions. This is something that you had brought up, Zeb, where you it wouldn't ask for a root password. So mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be in the release and all kinds of different things. So please go out and give them some love because Dolphin Oracle and the MX team is absolutely awesome in the Linux community. I love they, his face. I love everything about the man. But dude, awesome. it's not just he he's not just creating his own distro and just isolating himself. They work together all over the place throughout the community yeah. and they deserve everybody to help out. You know, we talk about how we can help projects and maybe donate and everything. Well, you may not have the money to uh, donate to a project, but you could maybe make an hour to go test a distro and let them know, even on their forums, to say, hey, this is what I found. Well, here's what I'm really hoping. What's kept me from getting back into MX, which is one of my favorite distros like ever in my top five distros that I would you know, tell anybody is the, it's one of the best out there, is that I cannot get it to install on an NVMe M2 drive. 
it will not install. It'll get to the point where it gets to, you click install and then it'll tell you it can't format the partitions. I'll go and manually format the partitions. It gives me the same error. It's been that way for several months and I've not had the time to bring it up to Dolphin because during the times that I'm like interested, I've usually screwed up my computer. So I'm trying to quickly get a distro to work so we can do the show. And well, uh, so I haven't had a chance. So I'm hoping this one, when I try it, will work on the NVMe. Guess what? what? You just did bring it up to Dolphin. Because he oh, listens. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dolphin, hook me up, man, please, because yeah. I want to get really strange because I've got an NVMe drive and it's fine. It works fine. Wow. Yeah. Well, that so goes back to – that goes back to what I said earlier, where different hardware reacts completely different. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have any idea what the difference could be between your guys' machines, but different hardware for one person works, and different, and for another one, it doesn't. Yeah, yep. and and I don't know if it's the way that your machine handles UEFI, if they can, or the way it handles secure boot, whether you've got it turned on or turned off, and switch around each each like motherboard will will work things differently. So yeah, definitely if you give it a whirl and you can't do it, give them your specs and they'll find out why I'll put it on mine and give them my specs and say, well, look, my NVMe works fine. Maybe, maybe they'll be able to find something to tweak or to just tell you how to, how to get it to install. Yep. You should totally opt into that information. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So another new release coming soon and i would assume that it's going to be after the 1804 releases but elementary working on juno so they're going ham on this man that is it is just awesome to see look they have since the beta release okay they have fixed over 350 issues since the beta i mean they're working on it nonstop and it's already a beautiful distribution. And yet they're still concentrating on all these little things to make it look that mm-hmm. much better. So this comment about the search icons, because one of the features that they've added was on the panel where you have the, the menu that you drop down, they added a search icon to kind of let people know that this is, a, this is what you would do with this item for newer users. And the comment is, this helps inform users what they can expect behind that item. Plus, it helps the balance to balance the left side of the panel out a bit better with the right. Now, you got this distribution that you're working on, and you're doing things like that, and your focus is on making it better, but you're also focusing on making it look that much better. Little bit here, little bit there. It's awesome to see, dude. So Simon, when you look at something like elementary and stuff, do you do you distro hop at all? Or are you like, I'm sticking with the one I work on. I don't want to see that other stuff. Um, it depends. Like sometimes sometimes I'll put some stuff in a VM, but um really it's I have a purpose when I put stuff in a VM, you know, just to see right. what they're doing, how they implement this or how they implement that. I really don't hit distro hop much. If anything, I just hop between the two distros I work on, um, which are Kubuntu and, and Lubuntu Next. Um, sometimes Lubuntu, if I need to, you know, just LXD, if I just need to re- uh, install the work, um, work on something with. So I, I haven't tried it. Um, it might be something for me to try, but I really, my machine, I've had this install for six to nine months at this point. That's how you get titles like that, Rocco. Not fooling around, jumping to different hostros <laughs> like we do every week. Michael, have you tried Elementary? I have. Um, I, I, as far as like, uh, it's it, Elementary is one of those those distros that I admire 
their work. I like what they're doing and it's not for me. Fair um, enough. I, yeah. I'm the type of person who wants to manipulate, customize, tinker uh, to like ridiculous levels. Oh, XFC so, then. No, plasma. Plasma. <laughs> plasma. Um, but so like you should, you don't have to with plasma. I'm just saying. Uh, but I, I like the control, having the customization, having all these options that are like, I can do whatever I want. Elementary is not that really that type of distro. So, um, I, for, but I would give it to people who are just looking for like a, you know, the, the introductory distro that they, you know, they, they want it to look good and they want it to just work in a certain way. And elementary does that great. Yeah. So. And they're not trying to be that distro either. They're open yeah, about exactly. that. So, yeah. that- and they do a lot of like amazing design work. Like they, the, the, the fact lot? that they, okay, the whole thing is awesome <laughs> <laughs> as far as design is concerned. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm saying like, it's more in the sense of like the, the polish is like their whole idea is design is really their main focus is design. Sure. But I'm saying like, there's things that I have copied from them because they did it in their distro. And I was like, that's really cool. I'm going to just take it. And uh, like the, the 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 thing they're doing now with the with Juno, they announced the, the translucent like light and dark theme for the panel, the top panel. That is so. I took it. So um, <laughs> steal I, like an artist. That's a good yeah, book. By the way. Exactly. It, it's I I, I totally uh, I totally like the like a lot of their design work, and um, so I decided to just put that on mine. And I, and especially like the, when they were the, I think they were the first, they might not have been, but I'm pretty sure they were where when you have like this nice, like translucent panel and you maximize a window, it becomes opaque. And so it's not like jarring. And I copied that too. Well, so. well let's talk about this because that's one of the features that they came out with. They're splitting the translucent and appearance so that you can have the translucent or you can have transparent. So it and it switches automatically depending on your your wallpaper and what you have maximized. So you can maximize your window and it still goes opaque. So yeah. this is this is one of those things that abs- look the panel is something extremely important. It's something that you see constantly because mm-hmm. most people do not full screen everything. So 99% of the time you're seeing that panel and that's the main focus. And I think it's awesome that they put that much attention to it. You know, I yeah. never cared about this stuff until I started hanging out with you, Rocco. Now I look at panels <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, that looks ugly. You know, you got, you, you've definitely uh, influenced me there. He notices pixels too now. Yeah, he does. I know <laughs> it rubs off. Zeb, what do you think of elementary man? Um, yeah, elementary is a really nice distro. Um, you can open it up so that you can tweak it, but it's only to a certain degree. But if you just use it for the purpose for which it was built, it works and it works well. And if you can forget, if you can put yourself almost in a Windows mindset of, I've just got an operating system that works and they're not going to allow me to play with it. Just get used to the way it works and you won't have any issues with it at all. It just, you load it up, it installs, it fires up every time, and everything works. And once you get used to their design features, you can actually start to go with the flow. Um, and I think we've got somebody in our Telegram group uh, and who appears on Biddle that has converted every machine he's got to elementary. Yeah, so I'm confused the, by your statement of getting a Windows mindset and then it just works. 
because there's <laughs> those two things. Well, if I get into my Windows mindset, I'm thinking my screen locks up and I'm updating for <laughs> And you're rebooting and you're waiting an hour to reboot. I meant the mindset along the, the, the terms of you can't mess with it. Yeah. You're given yeah. an operating system. You've got to just use it. I wasn't talking about, you know, windows works better than um, Linux because it, it doesn't. Um, it's good for stuff, most stuff, but Linux is definitely um, better all told. What I wanted to ask Simon earlier though, was when we were talking about they've fixed over 350 issues my immediate question that popped into my head, well, why were those issues there in the first place? And this is why I don't understand the development ethos of moving from 1604, you're going to go up to 1804. You're obviously starting from a certain base and then you're changing so much. How much when you take that Ubuntu base and you turn it into Lubuntu, do you find errors like that? And they're not necessarily errors, they're issues that you have to fix. Is Ubuntu as prolific with the number of errors that come downstream or upstream, whatever the terminology, to you, Simon, when you come to fix it? Um, so I think I think you're, you're maybe misunderstanding a little bit of the relationship between Lubuntu and Ubuntu and, and something like elementary OS and Ubuntu. So with Lubuntu, our packages are part of Lubuntu, are part of the main archive, part of Ubuntu. So any any issues that may happen happen for all flavors can, you know, at the same time, unless we're, unless something's weird with our packaging. Um, so, so the difference between that where it's all completely baked in and something like elementary OS is that they're, they're jumping two releases forward. And not only that, they have to adjust all their packages to work with that completely new, you know, I don't know, code base, completely new libraries that have been evolving between those, that two year period, especially something right. like GTA. So, you know, when you jump two years, that's, you know, something's going to break. But when you're constantly with the development cycle at the edge of the development cycle alongside the flavor, then, or alongside Ubuntu, then it makes it a little bit of an easier experience. So you don't have those 350 different issues where you're right. jumping from, you know, two-year-old libraries to current libraries while someone mm-hmm. current libraries. So, yeah, so being based where you are on the structure you're benefiting from all that development work that's gone along and you've just got to tweak it for your LXQT side of things. Mm. As you're saying, you're not having to grab two years worth of differences. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. And if anything though, um, LXDE sits on top of an Ubuntu base and it really, the core packages that we have, they really don't, we use their, we use the libraries, but we really don't do many Ubuntu specific tweaks. Not that we can, because they're just, they're there for Ubuntu. And if something breaks, then it's and it's in a library, and like I said, it's there for many different people. So, mm-hmm. well, it's yeah. definitely a ton of work, and they're putting all mm-hmm. kinds of other things into it, from better hardware management to improvements to the mouse and touchpad settings. So, uh, it will help with uh, something for gamers that has more touchpad settings to allow you to like turn off the touchpad while you're typing. So. They're putting all kinds of things into it. They have icons that are now, and nobody cares about this except for me. <laughs> well, obviously <laughs> they do, but like their notifications bell will now animate to show that you have a notification instead of just a normal icon. So all these little things go into it. Yeah, and especially like that touchpad thing is really nice because I've I've had multiple people I've switched them to different distros and they be can like 
complaining that the touchpad won't disable while they're typing and they just randomly click something and like, yeah, that's incredibly annoying. So that, that it's, while it's, it doesn't seem like it's a, that important a big of a, of a deal, but it is very important. Rocco, am I smelling? Would you know you're going to distro hop? Dude, I can tell you that as soon as I can get my hands on the Juno release, you know, I'm obviously I'm going to test out MX and Zubuntu first, but as soon as I can get my hands on a release of it, I will be testing it. It's like we stepped into parallel universes. I'm sitting here still on Gnome and you're jumping over to elementary. <laughs> Is the world just gone mad? Hey, so my prediction was from last week was right. You are still using Gnome. I am still on Gnome 18. Well, Ubuntu 18.04 running Gnome. Enjoying it. Awesome. Well, with so, this next article that Michael was going to talk about, yeah, I might so just if, if you're not w- willing to jump yet, you might be with the next release of Solus, which is coming pretty soon. Oh, man. But then they they released today an update for their, like, on the on the road to Solus 4, and that is the update, massive update to their software center. And their software center is already a, like one of my favorite software centers as far as like appearance wise and functionality wise that they, they do really well. Uh, but it, it always had some kind of issues of like discoverability. It had some issues with like the information that you could see for the, like if you look for an application, an application, you see the descriptions, you see like screenshots, but sometimes absolute didn't have screenshots. Sometimes it even have icons and all kinds of stuff like that. So it had like a ton of potential, but didn't go like, all that all the way well now it basically is going all the way so the latest update adds multiple features like uh, uh discoverability in the front page and there's uh like for example like the featured they're gonna have like featured t- uh, applications like being able to see a curated list that the editor like editor picks sort of thing and then you have like recently updated or things that are just added to like new in, in that week. But really thing that I like the most is they have redesigned like the infrastructure of it. So it's like super highly threaded. So it's going to be a lot faster. It's going to be, look better with a responsive UI and so much. Um, so if you haven't checked it out, there's a, a video for on the Solus website that like demonstrates all the new features and, like it actually has like nice theming changes. So it like, gra- like easily switches to like dark theme modes and all this other stuff. Like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm praising it too much, but it's really good. Um, and the nerdy side of me has like, I, I appreciate even like the level that they're going because they, um, they integrated the Git history of an application into this, like the change log. So you can go in and look like what has all been added to a newer version without having to go to the source codes all the webs of all the applications and while that's obviously not very important to most people i like it well so. you guys know i'm a huge fan of software centers i think they're all brilliant <laughs> yeah, yeah of course uh, <laughs> right. but this one actually looks very well done looking at some of the screenshots and the videos it really looks beautiful but at the end of the day what i notice in most of the software centers with linux is it's either beautiful and breaks all the time or breaks all the time, or uh, ugly and works. So it, it's kind of like this combination, you either one or the other. So if anybody's capable of putting together one that is both beautiful and functional, I'm sure it's Ike and the team over there. So I'm, I look forward to seeing it. All right, Ryan. 
What have you been playing this week, man? Oh, my gosh. Normally, I give you guys games that I love, right? Because I, I, I painstakingly, not really, go through these games and try to find one <laughs> that, you know, you guys will really enjoy. But I thought it would be fun this week to talk about one that I absolutely hated and wish I could Oof. get off my machine. Oof. Well, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be hard for Zeb to talk about ones he hates but go ahead <laughs> well zeb uh in my quest to find a pixel game that you would love something where you're stuck in traffic like i said last week or something like that i thought about beat cop because i thought well that's boring well it really truly is <laughs> it, it really is just as boring as it sounds so um you know this game is just one that i would put on your completely avoid list uh the general story and gameplay is absolutely boring the idea is you're a detective, kind of like an 80s throwback, which is kind of a cool theme. That part's okay. And you've been framed for a murder, but somehow you're still allowed to be a beat cop. So you're now a detective to a beat cop. And it's all very, very pixelated and poor graphics. And the gameplay is just as poor. So trying to lock people up or write people tickets for parking. Zeph, actually, when I think of it, you might love this game. You write. <laughs> I was going to say you would love this game. I mean, yeah, you sit there and you write tickets and, uh, you know, uh, for uh, tires, you go around and inspect people's tires to see if they, uh, you know, have uh, holes in them or anything and write them tickets for that. Uh, the the humor in the game though is just honestly it's extremely um childish and weak and ultimately the game just doesn't really resonate with me. Well that's a downer. Yeah. So but Zeb, there's your game, man. See you Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Are you live streaming this, uh Zeb? Hmm? Uh I think that'll be a no. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got next? This I am pumped about. Is anybody else pumped about this? Uh, Fine, I'll take it. No. So look, <laughs> look, I, I love games like Hearthstone, right? It's a guilty pleasure of mine to play these games. They are so addictive. And the, the idea is Hearthstone, which is made by Blizzard. You've got Magic the Gathering. There are a bunch of other games like this out there. But the idea is like a deck collection, but it's virtual decks, you know, card decks that you're building in different characters and attack modes and different things like that. So there's a lot of strategy uh, behind it and these games are extraordinarily popular hearthstone specifically is ridiculously popular and of course everybody usually knows magic but they've got their digital version of it out there well valve is finally releasing a new game guys anybody hello are you guys still alive do you shoot people <laughs> kind of so in hearthstone while it's just a card game and you're playing against other people online and you're you're basically seeing you know who can uh, utilize their the deck that they have the most efficiently. It will usually have animations like missiles firing at their their cards and monsters and things like that. So there's a it's it's very it's a lot more exciting than it sounds to talk about. And if you've not played one of those games, what I was going to say because if you're playing like this Dungeons and Dragon type game with cards, is this like Snap meets Dungeons and Dragons? No. <laughs> Just Sorry, I just don't there. get how people... It's like I've got a, a nephew who gets excited about going down our local caves, dressing up as a paladin, and then playing real-life Dungeons & Dragons. And oh, LARPing! Have... Dude, it's awesome! Yeah. You never LARPed? Come on, no, man! No, I, I mean, I've been down there and frozen Fireball. myself. Magic missile. For two hours, watching these 
And, and this this seems like a simple, you know, holding up your deck to your hand, looking at what you got. I'm going to play that card. Oh no, he's trumped me with a wizard with mushrooms. <laughs> really? I mean, what's the difference? Then you're running around in a in a uh, what games you? Oh, well, never mind. You play truck games. I, I run around and blow everything up with my trucks. Yep. Great fun. I mean, and people who like the card games, I mean, it's, it's, that's a really popular thing and has been for decades. Like Pokemon was like one of the first card games I ever played oh, yeah. as a kid. And it was, it was incredibly popular in like the like mid nineties or so. Yeah. There's a then. massive amount of strategy to these games. And honestly, I've never been fantastic at them, but I've always enjoyed the concept. I've always enjoyed playing casual games yeah. of Hearthstone with people. But the folks, if you watch them on Twitch are really good at it. Like they can do amazing things and come out of because there's a lot of strategy of when to play cards, just like in normal, you know, poker or anything else. When you play cards, when you don't, uh, when you toss, you know, cards away, all of that type of stuff. So, listen, just reminds me of how bad I am at that game. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When you know when when to throw certain cards, that's a thing. What (laughs) you just throw them as soon as you get them. Like that Um, looks cool. Yeah, but look, Valve's releasing a new game, and here's the exciting part to me. Anything Valve releases is going to be ultra po- uh, popular. It's a AAA game. Why is Valve re- not releasing... Why are they releasing this game and not Half-Life 3? Maybe when you download this game, it really is Half-Life 3. You ever Maybe. thought about that? Maybe. It's, it's, it's a hidden, it's a hidden yeah. gem. It's magic. It's one of, you you got to draw one of the cards and it's Half-Life 3. Yeah. It's coming to Linux, Rocco. But a AAA title from one of the biggest developers, publishers out there, Valve. And it's a super popular game. How could you not be excited? I think our conversation was more exciting than the actual game. Oh, my God. <laughs> In that case... In that case, Rocket, you should totally check out the uh, Portal Bridge Constructor game that Valve made. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. I'll get right on that. Simon, are you a gamer? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you here. I'm not really a gamer. He doesn't have time to game. He doesn't have, time have to titles game. like he's, that. He's Rocket, master of the universe. Time to play around, I mean, right? Yeah. You can't can't expect him to be doing everything. All right. What other unexciting game do we have, Ryan? You know what? <laughs> This one, this one is is quite beautiful. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a great game, but it, based on the screenshots and the videos, this looks really fun. And they've got a lot of backing because this is launching for PS4, PC, Mac, Xbox, and soon it's coming to Linux. So they're basically going across the spectrum on everything, and Linux is in there, so that makes me happy. But Earthlock is an absolutely beautiful-looking RPG adventure game that looks like to me a combination of like a Final Fantasy and Zelda melded together. Like it feels Nintendo-y, if you know what I mean when you when when you're watching it. That fun, uh, beautiful colored, great soundtrack style of game, and we're gonna get it here in Linux. Does this does this pique your interest? Anybody here? Am I the only gamer on this no, whole I, show? I, I think you must be because I'm looking at the video thinking my four-year-old grandson would like this. Uh, you know what? Don't you have a, a, a virtual truck to go drive, Zeb? <laughs> <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair to Ryan here, I, I, I might play this game because it, it does have a, a Zelda mixed with a, like, it, it feels like a Final Fantasy VII. And that, that was my, my the, I didn't really like Final Fantasy, but Final Fantasy VII was fantastic. And then, like the the vibe that I got from watching the trailer for this game, it looks pretty much like that, and yeah. that that seems interesting to me. Like that that one actually, it has potential. I'll give you that. Well, there you go. Look, I I may not be into these games, but there are developers behind these games, 
And I am grateful that these developers take the time to make their games for Linux, mm-hmm. regardless of if I like it or not, or would ever play it. Because there's oh, yeah. many people that would. So all of that is This is a, I mean, that's a really brilliant point to bring up, because we received a comment a couple of weeks back where someone said, hey, not all of us are gamers. Yep. And one of the things I want to point out about that is, when, when I started with Linux, the first thing I would hear from everybody was, yeah, good luck gaming on it. Well, I game brilliantly in Linux, and I've shown brilliantly how you can run on the latest hardware in Linux. Linux games amazing, and people don't realize that. And one of the biggest issues, though, that is true is we don't have the game titles. We haven't had the game titles, but we talked about that changing, and it has. So even if you're not into gaming, the fact we're getting AAA titles from major publishers mm-hmm. means that Linux adoption is going to be that much faster for other people who are looking alternatives to Windows. Yep. So this brings me to a final point about the games and Linux. There is a game coming out soon, and all we have is a trailer for it. So the game is called Torn, and it is produced by Asper Media, who does a lot of Linux games, Linux porting, and they do great work. But this specific game looks awesome, and yet it is not going to have Linux support. So Liam from Gaming on Linux uh, tried to get an answer out of Asper Media whether it was going to have Linux support or not, and they said that it was going to be for Windows only. So we need a call to action. That's what I said, lame. We need a call to action to contact Asper Media, and you guys, I will post a link for the video. you got to go check it out. It looks like an amazing game. We all need to contact Asper Media and tell them we want a Linux port of this game. We can send them pictures with Zeb and a Louisville slugger and say, if you don't. <laughs> or or the uh, baton. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to give a huge shout out to Simon. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was so awesome having you on and getting your feedback and all the future things that are coming out there for Lubuntu. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me. And we want to give a huge shout out to our patrons who continue to do uh, amazing things, helping support this show, keeping it running. And we appreciate uh, all of you who donate and listen to the show and continue to support us. But special thanks to them. Yep. You know, you, you see an episode come out and, People will then start chatting about it in the Telegram group. It's just amazing to see. So all of it is much appreciated. All right, I think that about wraps it up for this week. So we will be back next week with another exciting interview, and that's all I'm going to say. So make sure you check out next week. But everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. I don't like this. You have the title based on a cartoon you've never even watched. How is that fair? I watched the cartoon. I should have the title. (laughs) 
I think I'm you just become a developer to... and then work on the universe. I don't want to work on stuff. I just want the title <laughs> with different different modifications on it. <laughs> oh, wow, that would have been good because I'd have then said, "Okay, which one of you guys set him up?" Yeah, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. What are you reaching for back there, Zeb? No, no, nothing. Yeah, uh, what's in your hands, Zeb? <laughs> Simon Duck, will you? Quick. <laughs> that was awesome. And I remember in being in a car on the way down to a seaside resort when England won the cup in 1966. What kind it. of cup did you guys win? The World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it a this is when cup? we won a red solo cup. Yeah, now this is this is in um, this is I'm the Masters of the Universe guys, cup here. You guys call it soccer. I, I just started I, coding just, for Ubuntu. <laughs> he started coding. And he started becoming Master of the Universe. He's like, I don't have time for this cartoon stuff. I'm going to write my own distro. <laughs> Making us feel real great, Simon. Yeah, while well, we're we're well, watching He Man and he's making distros. Yeah, I'm still watching He Man and he's making distros. <laughs> That's weird. I don't know if you guys have these in America, but we have something called Jaffa cakes. Yeah, no. But is no, it is it a biscuit? Looks like a cake. It's a cookie. It's a cookie. It's a cookie. It's a cookie. Inside is like a bit of a bit of jelly, orange jelly. That's a cookie. Now, people call these biscuits. Other people call them cakes. But They're neither. They're cookies. <laughs> you guys just make stuff up over there. Like your, you know, queen squid money or whatever. <laughs> the plastic, there you go. You guys just keep making up words. And we have, and they're like, oh, you're not using proper English here. This is a biscuit. You mean the, the cookie with melted chocolate chips on it? Yeah, a biscuit. It's a biscuit. <laughs> Yeah, they they go. If you go down to the gas station, you could get a biscuit the size of a cat head. And I'm trying to figure out like, is that how is that good or bad? Or you guys picking on me? Just just like in I think in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I think we are like one of the only spots in the whole country that calls water fountains bubblers. They're bubblers, guys. What? Mm, this bubbly is good bubbler. from the bubbler. What do you want from cheeseheads? <laughs> Man, Rocco. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nine inch nails. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. One of the greatest nails. bands ever existed. And I mean, they were okay. <laughs> Was there a support band, the Four Inch Bolts, or something? <laughs> <laughs> Zeb, what's your favorite music? We've never heard. My favorite music. I, I think, let me guess. Polka. You no, you go go ahead and guess what's my favorite genre. A polka. polka. I'm going to say classic rock. Zeb. I'm going to say death metal. Classic rock. Yodel, yodeling. I can see that though. I can see that. What Ooh, what I, what is your favorite genre? I, I got it. I got it. Hungarian throat music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's nineties R and B. Really? No kidding. Really? Yeah. Simon, uh, do you have time to listen to music, or do you uh, not you partake just, in that either? Code all day long. <laughs> no, I, I listen. My keyboard is my music. I can't code or do anything without listening to music. Really, I, that's how I get con- uh, into a deep state of concentration. 
Wait, you said. But then I can start that. What? Hansen. Huh? What? What? Squirrel. 